What's going on? Happy hump day. We have Kyle and Mauricio and things seem to have been turning ugly in their separation. Alexis Bellino and John Jansen go official with their new relationship. And yes, we will be answering all of your burning questions about celebrity plastic surgery and injectables. So I hope you are ready for it. Let's go. You're listening to No Filter with Zach Peter, your go-to source for all the latest pop culture and reality TVT, Surf Fresh, all week long. Now, let's dive in. Hello, happy Wednesday, everybody. It is hump day. I hope you guys are getting humped today. Hey. So we have a lot to break down today. Um, but first off, congratulations to Ariana Maddox. It was just announced that she's going to be the new Roxy Hart in Chicago. We know Candy Burris has done it before. Erica Jane has done it before. Lisa Rinna has done it before. Now Ariana Maddox has joined the cast of Chicago. Congrats to Ariana. She did not... When Dancing with the Stars, she came in third, which it was, I think, who, oh, sorry, that was a spoiler alert. But so it was Jason Mraz in second, and then Sochi Gomez, who was number one. She took home the mirror ball, which is now the Len Goodman mirror ball now that, um, now that he's passed and they've decided to name the mirror ball after him. Um, we do have a lot that we'll break down today. We have Alexis and John Jansen that we'll get into. Kyle and Mauricio, we have an update on their separation. There's a new source that's speaking out to life and style. Uh, we have a, a Spears family update that will give really, really good throwback vibes to Real Houses of New York with Aviva Drescher. Um, Shannon Doherty is opening up on her new podcast about her recent divorce, claiming that she was cheated on. We'll get into all of that. But first, I have a very special guest who's on the show today. He is going to be talking to us all about the do's and don'ts of injectables. He was referred to by our good friend Kate Casey from Reality Life with Kate Casey. Please welcome Dr. Jonathan Zelkin. Hey, Zach, how are you? Thanks for inviting me on the show. And thank you, Kate, if you're watching for uh, putting us in touch. It's really an honor to be here. Yes. How are you? I, I, I feel um, like I have so many. Well, actually, I feel like the audience has so many questions um, about injectables because we've been talking about them so much. And I'm very open about, you know, what I do with my face. Well, tell me, what do you do with your face? Nothing. I was born perfect. No, All right. Kidding. That's how everybody is. <laughs> no, That's I do get, injectables. Yeah, I do get uh, some Botox and filler, so. So that's a, I mean, that's a great starting point. I think the beauty of injectables, at least in Orange County, is that, I mean, they are everywhere. It's like Starbucks. Everywhere you go, I mean, it's widely available, minimal downtime, minimal risk. The cost profile compared to surgery is a lot lower. Um, and injectables give you a subtle beauty when they're done right and when they're done judiciously by scrupulous nurses and doctors. And that's, and that's the most important thing to be aware of. Okay, so how do we know where to start? You know, with do we start with Botox? Should we start with filler? Do we go to a med spa? Do we go to a plastic surgeon? Like there are so many options and you can drive down, you know, Ventura Boulevard and see like $4 a unit Botox, get a group on today. Yeah, I mean, so the first thing to be aware of is that uh, people always call everything Botox. It's like when you get like Kleenex, for example, you get Kleenex, but I actually buy my Kleenex from Amazon and it's probably like K-Y-I-J-W brand. But I call it Kleenex. And I think the problem is people are doing the same thing with Botox. So Botoxes are not all created equally. There's a lot of sort of gray and black market products out there. We pay $7 a unit for Botox. That's our cost as a practice. So you got to be aware of that. 
when you're seeing $4 a unit Botox, there's something going on because everybody's got to make a profit at the end of the day. So, I mean, to be aware of the cost of the product from Allergan is an important starting point. And if, if prices approach that level or go below it, you know something is wrong because nobody wants to do this for free. We all love our patients, but nobody wants to do it for free. Yeah. The other question you asked was, when do we start? Um, I mean, an old mantra is like, the best wrinkles, the best way of preventing wrinkles is never to have them. You know, I'm getting to the point, I have ready access to it, but I haven't done Botox in a while. And the problem with that is I'm starting to get these static lines. And once you get the static lines, it's kind of hard to fix that. So that's why people recommend starting Botox earlier is to prevent the lines from kind of sinking in. I've heard it be described as like when you fold a piece of paper, you can't really unfold it. So you want to make sure you prevent it, right? Yeah, yeah, I, you can sort of unfold it. I think when you get to an early point of what we call static creases, you can probably soften it by being pretty good about being regular with Botox and it will go away. But once they get folded and pleated, and we see that especially in the neck, you even with a facelift, you can't tease those out. So, you know, I think um, I started doing Botox as a resident in my 20s. I think as a good rule of thumb, it's okay to start in your 20s, even though that seems really, really young for the very reasons we talked about, the best way of preventing wrinkles is not to have them in the first place. Yeah, I started doing it a couple of years. I'm 30 now, but I started just very slowly with Botox. Well, uh, actually- can you Don't you... look a day over 26, by the way. <laughs> but maybe it's the lighting. Probably the lighting too. Um, what are the differences? Because there's like Botox, there's Xeomin, there's Juveau. You know, which ones do you recommend and how do we know which one might be right for us? There are so many products and it's and it's overwhelming to patients. Um, you know, I think when it comes down to it, the material is the same. It's onobotulinum toxin, which is a toxin that is, you know, when unbridled, it can kill you. But when we control it and put it in little vials and we target it towards specific muscles, it works favorably. So you want some degree of regulation because this is a toxin. This is an agent we're putting in our bodies. Um, the, I think the market share goes to Allergan is the, is Botox. Yes. You said Zeomin there's Dysport. Dysport is a smaller molecule. So it sort of diffuses more than Botox. Um, all of these sort of have a similar lifespan between two to four months, depending on your, your metabolism. I go through it in like six weeks. I'm done. I have like biceps for my forehead. Um, some people say that when you get Botox after a while, like you get immune to it. So you have to switch to ZMN or something with a different sort of molecular profile. So your body doesn't respond to it or like become immune to it. Um, but the truth is our practice exclusively uses Botox. I know that there's a lot of other products available. More recently, a long lasting Botox alternative was presented uh, to the market. It doesn't, in my experience, in our practice experience, it doesn't last any longer than Botox. Um, so there's a lot of sort of, you know, advertising and things like that at, at the Zelkin Institute, my nurse, Mickey Omori and myself, we stick with Allergan's Botox. When people request this port, we'll do this port. It's good for a diffusion in the forehead and other areas. Um, we offer Zeomin, but the other products we don't particularly offer. So I can't really speak to it, but there's a lot and yeah. they all kind of do the same thing. Okay. Uh, Marie, uh, Marie says, I just heard once you start Botox, you have to stick with it. It's kind of something well, you, there's maintenance, right? It's not like forever. But we can, we can sort of unwrap this question in so many different ways. Like once you start, she asked, she's saying Botox, like brand name 
Allergan Botox with a little R circle around it, or she's saying Botox she like just means injections. Start. Yeah, injections. I agree with that. I mean, you don't have to stick with it. Um, so, say Marie, for example, based on her last name, if she is Chinese, a lot of Chinese patients have a wider mandible and they like Botox injections in the masseter. And we notice that when you do a first injection into the masseter for slimming of the jawline, it takes a lot of units to get that big muscle to come down. And as you continue to be regular with your doses, that muscle gets weaker and weaker with time and requires less and less Botox. So in that sense, yes, if you stick with it, your dose should be expected to go down each time you do your refresh to get the same result over time. And if you stop, theoretically, that muscle can grow again. There is no medical evidence that you have to keep doing it, but this, we call it tachyphylaxis effect, where the more you do it, the less you need is is something to keep in mind. I think that there is definitely truth to it. I see I see Kelly's uh, question too. Should I answer this or do you want to present it? No, go for it. Yeah, uh, Kelly's asking, I'm 64, is it too late? Is there a cutoff age? It's never too late. It's a great question. It, it, I mean, usually the, the harder question is when you start, like, like Zach asked before, is it yeah. too late? I think it's totally worth trying. I don't think it's ever too late to start. If it's ineffective, if it doesn't give you uh, the results you want, or more probably it lowers your eyebrows because it's weakening a muscle that raises your eyebrows, you may need other adjunctive procedures like a brow lift so you can enjoy the benefits of Botox on wrinkle prevention without having the side effects of having a descended brow. So it's not that it's too late, it's just that will it be enough is a better question. And I think, I think it's totally worth starting now, Kelly. And so I think the other misconception when it comes to injectables is sometimes we see like celebrities that are super crazy. They have really high brows or they just look a little overdone. And people think that if I get Botox one time, that's it. If it's botched, I'm going to look crazy. And so Botox doesn't last forever. The word botched is kind of a trigger, I think, to a lot of plastic surgeons. I think it's yeah. overused. Um, Botox, you can't really botch somebody with Botox. I think you can get asymmetries with Botox. I think you could be under effective with Botox. I think there could be a subjective sense when you look in a mirror that I don't like the way I look. Um, but it's kind of hard to botch somebody with one exception, two, three, four, five, no, two, two notable exceptions. If you inject near the upper eyelid, it is possible for the Botox to actually dissect through a plane into your upper eyelid and paralyze a muscle that opens your eyes. So you can get one-sided or two-sided, we call it lidtosis, where your eyelid droops. And that's very noticeable and ugly. The good news is there's treatments for it if that happens. And the better news for it is Botox only lasts, like I said, two to four months, so it will go away with time. Um, the other thing I see is, and you've seen it too, especially in Orange County, is people to, <laughs> do this combination of Botox and fillers around the mouth that makes your mouth look sort of mask-like. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about it's when they talk and their upper lip doesn't move and yeah, it's kind yeah. of like, is this a societal phenomenon or is this a medical thing? Um, yeah. In this case, I think that uh, Botox around the mouth should really be done judiciously. And I think when you're working around the eyes, you need to make sure that you don't inject in a way that puts somebody at risk of eyelid droop. And if that does happen, that you are prepared to combat that outcome with appropriate understanding of medications and reassurance to a patient to walk them through the process. 
Yeah. And I also, I mean, and it's conversation that you need to have with your doctors. I personally tell people don't go to med spas, like go to an actual, somebody that specializes in, you know, facial cosmetics, because I don't know, I've just, I've, I've heard and seen too many med spa stories that I just personally, I wouldn't. Thank you, Zach. It's, I, I'm, I am flattered by that. It warms my heart. Uh, I remember as a med student at Tufts uh, in Boston, the dental students would actually be trained as part of their instruction on Botox and the medical students wouldn't be. I'm like, dentists doing Botox? And then, uh, you know, fast forward 10 years and med spas are everywhere. They're kind of unregulated, to be honest with you, despite yeah. everyone's best interests. I mean, they're everywhere. Um, I will tell you this. As much as I appreciate you saying go to a plastic surgeon who specializes in the face and make sure you trust them, and I think there's some truth to that, there are a number of med spas that have such good experience and oversight. I think the way that you must gauge this is if you've got a friend or somebody who's been somewhere with success and they have a long-standing relationship, that is the best sort of word-of-mouth referral. If you don't know anybody, say I moved to uh, Miami and I don't know anybody, I agree with you. I think if I go to a med spa that is that is held in conjunction with a facial plastic surgeon or a plastic surgeon who specializes in the face or a dermatologist, there is a better chance of having a dependable result. If for no other reason, the accountability that a physician has over the patient. I think a lot of times when you're not a physician, it's, they account, there's less accountability at times. But I also think that there are so many great med spas out here that I trust and I would send my family members to. Um, you asked me about the do's and don'ts of injectables and stuff like that. I think the trap that people fall into is confusing fame and especially social media fame mm. with skill and safety. I think the more social media famous or Insta famous or TikTok famous you are, the more of a draw you have to the masses. That's one of the benefits. That's why people become famous. It's a huge, huge marketing tool that's free in so many ways. Um, but the problem is when you get too busy, first of all, you may get famous for the wrong reasons. People who are Insta-famous are famous because they're putting interesting media, interesting stories up that people want to follow, not because the results are great. So I think you're choosing somebody for the wrong reason. And when somebody gets too busy, you lose that human touch. You lose that sort of boutique feel. You lose that word of mouth referral. So I do think that word of mouth referrals are the best. Um, I, I take pride that our med spa is sort of small and boutique -y and all of our yeah. patients are, are, are close knit, tight knit, you know, network of friends who send their friends. And that's what we go for. Money Grace wants to know, can bad Botox injections give you a black eye? So bruising does happen when you get injectables sometimes, correct? Yeah, I didn't really mention that. And it's funny that you say that. That's a really good point. I'm thinking about botched in terms of bad sort of long-term outcomes. But in the short term, yeah, I mean, we're using needles to inject this material. And you've seen it in older people with thinner skin, lighter skin particularly. There are rich plexuses, plexi, plexi, whatever. There's rich networks of veins and arteries that are tiny and surround the eye. The dark circles we have under our eye are there because there are veins that are so close to the skin. They're so small. These needles can definitely puncture these veins. And when they do, you get a little bruise. That bruise should be self-limited in the absence of uh, tendencies towards bleeding or if you've been drinking a lot of wine or something like that. Those bruises are typically self-limited and our practice will give patients something called Arnica to help the bruising and swelling um, and will instruct them not to do any heavy lifting or strenuous labor for two to three days. 
Uh, and that seems to help avoiding stuff like aspirin and blood thinners and stuff like that is also something. We do our best to avoid the visible veins when we're doing our injections, but sometimes they're not visible. And sometimes, it's, it's, in my case, it's always the last injection I do that gets a little bit of a bruise. So it's not uncommon to have them. Again, it's all about uh, mitigation of outcomes. Yeah, I've had bruising before when I've gotten under eye filler, and I I definitely bruised and and, and listen, and that was also my bad because I was like, I it's fine, I can have a couple cocktails. I was drinking throughout the weekend, came in for my injectables on Monday, even though I was told not to drink over the weekend and limit caffeine and not have any blood thinners, and I bruised. And like that's just something something that happens. You have to find yourself a good concealer and and learn better for the next time. Yeah, and and uh, you know. It... We, we do offer sort of skincare products that have uh, concealer in it and stuff like that. So it's a little bit more subtle. But I think, honestly, it comes down to the injector again. Sometimes yeah. getting a small bruise is inevitable. It does. It's not the sign of a botched injection or a bad injector. It's about what you do when it happens. When I see it, I put my thumb or my index finger on it right away. We put some cool gauze on there. We put a little bit of arnica, and we provide guidance. And to my memory, I don't. I can't really recall anybody who's had had a long, uh, like a bad bruise that has been an issue for more than a day or two. It's usually a very short lived, almost like a pencil point in the face type thing. It's not like a big black eye. The person who asked the, the woman who asked the question said Heather Gay in parenthesis. Oh yeah. I don't know if you could tell me that what's, what happened to her? Yeah. So, well, she, Heather Gay had a really gnarly, she's a housewife of Salt Lake city and she had a really gnarly black eye. Some people were assuming she claimed she doesn't remember where she got the black eye from, but people were saying maybe it was possibly from bad Botox injections, but it was a really substantial black eye that it didn't, I don't know. It, to me, it seemed a little too extreme for it to just be an injection. Yeah, I wouldn't want to surmise on that. But usually when you get Botox injections, the black eyes you get tend to be pretty localized, maybe a few millimeters by a few millimeters. Yeah, no, this one is a pretty intense black eye. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not, but that is not, I would not, I would not attribute that to Botox injections, just looking at that picture. Uh, uh, Dana wants to know, what do you think about the peptide GHKCU injections for six weeks for collagen production? I can't speak to that. That's not my specialty. We don't offer that product, so I don't want to. I don't want to jump in on something that I'm not an expert about. Well, let's talk about filler really quickly because filler and uh, Botox are different. Botox paralyzes the muscles. Filler kind of is it's um, is it hyaluronic acid that kind of just like fills in underneath the skin. Yeah, there's different types of fillers. Uh, fillers are hyaluronic acid is the most common type in the U.S. right now. It's um, basically joint fluid. It's what we have in our knees and stuff like that. It's a naturally occurring peptide. Um, and it's wonderful because it, it can absorb water and actually get bigger than what you actually inject initially. It, it lasts for a while. It is compatible with your own biology. There's very few allergic reactions to it. And God forbid you hate it, you can dissolve it. So mm -hmm. hyaluronic acid is a wonderful uh, substrate. There's other ones too. There's uh, calcium-based ones called like RADIS's calcium hydroxylapatite. Um, there's collagen-based ones. My favorite filler, believe it or not, it's surgical, but it's fat. You could also use fat. Oh. The permanent option, and you can also use implants that are made out of either silicone or porous polypropylene, which is a plastic. So there's a lot of really cool options, but let's talk about the common commercially available fillers that we call injectables, the uh, hyaluronic acid ones and the um, hydroxyl appetites. Just so yeah. I don't open a can of worms here. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I always do because that was one of the questions that people asked me this week or what what do I recommend for getting rid of like the bags under your eyes? And I said, I noticed when I started getting under eye filler that that kind of just smoothed out my face. And then for the first time in June, I got a little bit of mid cheek filler um, just because I, I noticed that my smile lines were really starting to sink and my face was really hollow. So I just started doing a little bit of filler to kind of make it a little fuller. Yeah, and we talk about this a lot, especially with this whole burgeoning concept of ozempic face. We talk about yeah. facial gauntness and how we can maximize the face and things like that. The under eyes is a very, very uh, uh, technically challenging area to inject um, because you have thicker skin. But when you have thinner skin like mine, where you can see every dark circle and every nook and cranny, any imperfection in injection technique or any swelling or any globule of this HA that exists will become visible as like a sausage or even worse if it's injected too close to the skin, kind of a blue bleb. You've seen it before. It looks like a, it's pretty noticeable. And a lot of times this bluish discoloration can be like permanent, even years later trying to dissolve it. So when you talk about botching, I think this is a very easy place to botch. I think if you don't go to a skilled injector or somebody who's like learning on you, there's a really good chance you're not gonna get a favorable result. I think your eyes look great. But I am always hesitant to recommend people jumping into getting under eye filler because it is a technically challenging area and you really need to find somebody who knows what he or she is doing. Yeah. Um, Mimir is saying, is filler what I need for under eye bags? What do you recommend for under eye bags? I think it's Memore. Memore. Is it Mimir? I don't know. It might be Memore. I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that... Uh, Eye bags is just like Botox, it's just like Kleenex. I mean, it, this deserves a, a physical examination because one's perception of what an eye bag is could be something totally different. Some people call these festoons out here eye bags. Other mm -hmm. people call this tear trough an eye bag and other people call the bulging under the eye, which I would consider an eye bag, an eye bag. Depending on your anatomy, your goals, your expectations. I mean, if you've got fat excess under the eye, the, 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 the solution will probably be surgical. Does it mean you can't try filler once to try and conceal this? Yes, but I don't think in certain cases that filler is gonna be an end-all be-all solution. This is one of the more salient arguments for going to a med spa that is associated with a plastic surgeon. If you go somewhere that offers all solutions from injectables to surgery, you are gonna be more likely to get a solution that really helps you achieve your own goals rather than all I do is injectables and therefore if all I have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And then you're gonna be prone to overcorrection and having bad results. So again, for Memere or Memir, your question, it really depends. If you want your under eye, Memair, I was right. Memair. Um, <laughs> you, you really should go to somebody who either has a close association or you know a referral recommendation for a surgeon. Um, but if you are young and depending on what your definition of under eye bags are, yes, we totally can do some sort of uh, filler to make them concealed a little bit. At some point, surgery is probably going to be the option. And surgery is to have the bags removed, right? Yes. Uh, I don't like to remove the bags. Oftentimes what I'll do is called transposition. So under the eyeball, if you squeeze your eye, you see the, the fat pad bulging out. That is, you know, you've got three fat pads under your eyes rather than taking all of that out and hollowing your eye out and looking gaunt 30 years ago this guy goldberg came up with this technique where you can release this ligament under your tear trough pull it out and get that fat and sort of drape it down into your cheek so it's sort of a 
permanent filler under your tear trough and it really blends the lower eyelid and the cheek beautifully. That is the better solution than oh. just taking out the fat. It's repositioning. And that's I'm the whole concept in facial plastic surgery. It's not taking away fat. It's not adding fat. It's moving fat. It's modulating. Yeah, which I feel like is what the Kardashians do a lot. And that's why they say like they don't have a lot of like injectables in their bodies. But I think from what I've seen, it's a lot of fat. And that's, I feel like, becoming more and more popular with like different body contouring is it's repurposing fat in certain areas to give people flatter stomachs, tinier waist, bigger hips, bigger booty. I don't know what the Kardashians are doing. It's <laughs> It's beyond my understanding as a plastic surgeon. There's so much going on there. Uh, but you even have to consider the reality of, of fillers, and or not fillers, but filters. Um, I remember seeing some video about how even on live TV, uh, one of the Kardashians moved her head a certain direction, and you can see that her jawline shape changed on live TV. So filters are such a relevant part of their appearance to the world that it's kind of hard to take anything that anybody says or shows seriously when it comes to the Kardashians in particular. Um, Endup says, are there any specific health conditions where filler would not be recommended? Yeah, I mean, depending on the filler and stuff like that, I mean, if you've got bleeding tendencies like we talked about, if you've got certain allergies, if you're breastfeeding, you gotta give it second thought. If you're pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant, um, you've gotta think about it. And again, it's sort of, uh, it, it is sort of filler dependent depending on what, um, what filler you use. Uh, but yes, there certainly are certain medical conditions that are contraindicated. Um, Kelly says, can you address I, Botox for chronic migraines? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, Botox is a great solution for chronic migraines. People don't understand where the source of chronic migraines are, but a lot of times it's nerve irritation. Um, and some of the nerves that can be involved are the nerves that kind of come from the top of your eye called the supraorbital nerves or from the back of your head called the occipital nerves. And when you have muscle stimulation, which is this sort of muscle sheet that goes over your head, the frontalis muscle and the occipitalis muscle, as these activate and become sort of more active and overgrown, they can cause and trigger nerve symptoms that spark a migraine. So by putting Botox and softening this entire area and releasing some of the tension on those nerves, it is possible that you can mitigate many of the symptoms of migraines that start from the front or in the back. Brittany says that her mom always used to use Vaseline to prevent wrinkles. Is hydration, how important is hydration and also sunscreen? I think those are two big topics right now for people that maybe don't necessarily want to jump into the, or jump into the deep end when it comes to injectables. Yeah, I think Brittany is, uh, is spot on. I mean, I don't recommend Vaseline per se. I think uh, there's, there's sort of lighter uh, moisturizers that you can use, but moisturization in general is a really good idea. Uh, Vaseline can cause sort of like milia, which is oil, oil glands to sort of build up and things like that. But they do make a lot of sort of medical grade moisturizers that are skin friendly. Um, I think that hydration, moisturization, Botox, and avoidance of excessive sunlight, uh, as well as avoidance of like alcohol, uh, regularly smoking, all these lifestyle factors, plus good genetic stock are the features that make some people age better than others. So it's it, the whole concept of being born with it and, and working for it. I mean, there is gonna be some contribution of genetic input and there's gonna be some contribution of lifestyle factors that make you look the way you do. All we have control of is the lifestyle factors. Good hydration, good skincare routine, meaning moisturization at bed and in the morning, 
Uh, I use Retin-A every single night. Uh, that's tretinoin, and you can get it from your plastic surgeon or dermatologist's office. Um, and avoidance of like smoking and, and other things like that is how you can stay looking young longer. Now, there is a really big storyline that's playing out on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, right? Or actually, it's not playing out on the show, but it's involving two of the women that are on the show. One of them owns a med spa, and one of the other women visited her med spa. She is being accused of not paying her tab. She says that she didn't pay her tab because they gave her bad filler. As you mentioned earlier, it is possible to dissolve filler, correct? It is. It is possible to dissolve filler. You can correct it, right? Yes, but there's an asterisk, and it always goes back to going to somebody who knows what he or she is doing. So if you can imagine injecting filler, a lot of times I do it as little BBs. I do it as like sort of spot treatments. You know, I don't like, I don't feather and stuff like that oftentimes. I, so I kind of know how I do it. I have my way of doing things. Um, but there are fillers, number one, that can't be dissolved, like Sculpture you've probably heard of. We talked about Radiesse before. But if you're using a hyaluronic acid filler and you can see an obvious buildup, you can stick a needle of something called hyaluronidase in there, inject it, and you can cause it to sort of dissolve. I mean, right away, you can see this area kind of goes away. You're injecting volume, so it's not necessarily going to just like that snap away, but it feels softer, and the next day the patient's better. Where it's harder to dissolve is chronic filler. People who've been doing it for a long time through different multiple injectors, you don't really know where someone's gone. So the easiest filler to dissolve is the one that you placed yourself because you can kind of target where you've done it. You know where you don't just do the same thing again with the antidote. But if somebody's coming to you having had an injection elsewhere, you know, in another country perhaps, it becomes a lot more difficult and less predictable. Mm. So, so we should be not jumping around from injector to injector. We should probably find a home base and stick with that. Ideally, you would. Ideally, you have somebody who can hold your hand through the process because not everything always goes smoothly. And so when you're going, you know, if you're visiting Miami, hey, while I'm here, let's do it. It's great. It's fun. It's a great experience. But again, it's all about accountability. If someone's not there to manage a complication, should it occur, you're sort of left in the dark and you're paying now more than twice as much as you paid because you're paying somebody else to try and figure out what that last person did and correct it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think continuity of care is super important. And and I, one thing that I always tell people is start slow, like start with a little bit of Botox, start with a little bit of filler, see how you like it before, you know, jumping into the deep end. Yeah, um, I think so too. I think Botox, you could honestly, I, I, I'm not going to downplay Botox, not for a second because it can hurt you. Okay. Botox, if you give too much, it just lasts longer, which is probably a good thing. It's good for me. I take about 60 units. I don't inject more than 30 to 40 on my patients. I need like 60 because I've done it for so long and maybe I just have a huge frontalis muscle in my forehead. I don't know. Uh, people are different. People metabolize the product differently. Some people swear it doesn't work on them. And it's true. I have patients who will try three different <laughs> neurotoxins and they still have activity. So everybody's biology is going to be different, but start small. It's less expensive to start small. You get a sense for how it works with you and you can work your way up there. Fillers, unlike neurotoxins, I think become a really slippery slope because as you look at yourself in the mirror, especially head on, your thermostat changes, your baseline recognition of self changes. And what would be a huge fat lips initially 
becomes normal to you. And then you keep wanting more and more and more with little recognition that the outside world is starting to look at you funny, even though you are looking at yourself and perceiving yourself as needing just a touch more. So I think filler, unlike Botox, can easily be overdone. And that's where we usually like to start off in smaller doses. Yeah. And then because then a lot of people get that like pillow face where they just have one big round face or they start to overfill their cheeks. Filler fatigue is a concept that Kate Casey and I met, briefly talked about years ago about sort of doing a, a show together on or something like that. Filler fatigue is the most unsightly and and difficult to correct irreversible condition that can arise from, again, injudicious injectables. If you do too much, if you're starting to put silicone in your face, if you're going, you know, people do that. If you're putting different types of filler in there, your body forms scar tissue around it. If there's a subtle infection, your body's going to create scar tissue. And what used to be a dissolvable substrate now becomes enmeshed in scar tissue. And it disrupts lymphatic drainage, that's swelling drainage. And so you get this sort of localized lymphedema almost, where you get this sort of pillowing of the soft tissues. It becomes an irreversible problem. And I've done on my YouTube channel, I've done a few like celebrity gossip type videos in terms of people speculating, you know, certain people getting faceless and stuff like that. If somebody had a really bad faceless, somebody's had really bad plastic surgery. In my experience, what is normally seen is bad filler. And people always call it bad plastic surgery. But you, when you see bad plastic surgery, it's usually a pleat or a bad yeah. scar or a pulled down ear. When you see somebody like Madonna, for example, who becomes unrecognizable, I think that's more likely to be filler than to be an excisional or tightening surgical procedure. It makes your face bigger, not smaller. And so is something like what Madonna's done, that's reversible though, correct? I mean, I would um, imagine with the constant stretching of the skin, there may need to be a little bit of a facelift, but you can come back from overfilling. I would, I would posit that it's treatable, but not reversible. I think a lot of times when you get this chronic scar tissue and lymphedema, it's not something that's going to autocorrect. It will improve the, the swelling, the inflammation will go down with time. And a lot of times, like I think even Demi Moore, when you saw her on a runway two years ago, she looked unrecognizable, but all of a sudden years later, she starts to look better. I think a lot of that is resolution of inflammation. I really do. Um, but that's not going to be corrective innate. It's not going to like totally go away and you're going to be back to normal in a few years. I think that there is every time you do an injectable in your face, you are creating some degree of permanent change that at some point will go over that tipping point to irreversibility. Yeah. And so just act with caution. Act with caution, act with restraint. I mean, the, the good news is fillers are expensive, so it's kind of hard to just like keep doing more and more and more. We had a med spa in our practice about seven years ago who would do sometimes 10 syringes on a face and it was kind of crazy. Uh, and you'd be like, wow, that, that's a $10,000 procedure. That costs as much as almost a facelift at the time. Yeah. And so it's like, it, but but most people are, are gonna be restricted by the fact that a syringe is about $1,000. And this takes me back to the point that I made earlier about Botox. When you are paying for discount fillers, just know that a syringe of uh, like a one cc syringe of Botox is anywhere from two hundred and fifty to four hundred and fifty dollars to a practice. So if you are paying less than that, just understand that there's something fishy here. Yeah. 
Dr. Zelkin, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know you have a busy day ahead of you, so we won't keep you any longer. But if people do have additional questions or they want to learn more or maybe even come in for a consultation, where can they find you? I would love that. Thank you so much, uh, Zach. It means the world to me. Um, our Instagram page, you can always uh, send us messages through Instagram at uh, Jonathan Zelkin MD. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Jonathan Zelkin MD, predictably. Um, and we are in Newport Beach, California, um, 1617 Westcliff Drive above uh, Kit Coffee, if anybody knows where that is. Um, feel free to come in the office uh, anytime. We would love to see you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. Bye. All right, guys, that was Dr. Jonathan Zelkin. You can check him out. He's in Newport Beach. Recommendation through Kate Casey. Kate Casey, host of uh, Reality Life with Kate Casey. Um, so now, now that we had all of our injectable questions answered, hopefully you were taking notes. If not, you can always listen back to this and or just visit Dr. Zelkin for a consultation. But um, one of my favorite wellness hacks right now, before we dive into the rest of the tea, one of my favorite wellness hacks I've been wanting to share with you guys, I've talked about it a bit, and that's dose for your liver. It's yummy, and it's just a great upgrade to your daily health routine. My whole thing is it's like, why wait for the new year to start taking actionable steps, which you can start right now to help keep yourself on track, right? We don't need to go hard all December and then have a big haul come January. We can just start to take little steps now. And unlike other wellness shots, Dose does not contain any of the standard juices or powders. Dose is formulated with organic herbs. It's vegan. It's gluten-free dairy-free, zero sugar. Dose for your liver is formulated with ingredients that are clinically shown to support your liver health. I'm talking about potent turmeric, milk thistle, dandelion root, ginger, all good stuff for your liver. If you guys want to give Dose a shot, they are it's a delicious, yummy drink. It tastes like a glass of orange juice without all the sugar or junk in it. Just good, clean ingredients that are great for your liver. If you want to give Dose a shot and invest in your health, Dose is offering no filter listeners 15% off your first order, plus an additional 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. That's 30% off total, your first order. Go to dosedaily.co slash nofilter and use code nofilter. That's dosedaily.co slash nofilter and use code nofilter. All right, let's see. Um, let's start with OC news. We have uh, People Magazine that is confirming exclusively that Alexis Bellino and John Jansen are dating. Yes, they are. Shannon Bedore, somebody better grab her keys. Somebody better call the Paw Patrol, make sure Archie is okay. But John Jansen and Alexis Bellino have started dating. They're not using labels. They're not calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend, but they are exploring things. It's new. They apparently bonded over both going through recent breakups. I know she was recently engaged. He was with uh, Shannon Bedore for a while. Vicky is not happy about this. She was ranting about it on Twitter. She tweeted that she's disgusted and it will and she will not be holding her tongue. So, I mean, my thought is, like, when do you ever hold your tongue, Vicky? But okay, we believe you. And Kelly Dodd, I believe, came out and said that Alexis will not be joining the new season of Real Housewives of Orange County. I believe it was like a money dispute. I've heard a couple of different things. One was it was related to her child support. And two, it was related to her you know, getting lowballed. I think they wanted to bring her in as a friend of. And I mean, come on, if she's going to be stirring the pot that much and she's going to be dating John Jansen, then yeah, I would imagine offering her a full-time spot is 
the right thing to do. I revealed the two newbies. It was Heather Tuck and uh, Katie Janella. They'll be joining or they're set to be joining the new season. Unclear if they'll just be friends of or if they will be upgraded to orange holders. I believe statuses are still kind of up in the air. As far as I've heard, there are no talks between producers and Vicky Gunvalson. And I don't believe Vicky will be back next season. That's my own personal speculation. But from what I I guess the thing is, we haven't really heard anything. Heard about the newbies, heard about some of the veterans returning, heard about, you know, Alexis being offered to return um, I believe Gretchen, I've heard Gretchen's name tossed around a bit. I don't know if they're officially bringing her back. I know she just did Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip season four, but that was the Brandy and Caroline season. And right now we don't even know if we're going to get that season back. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But as of right now, I don't think Vicky will be returning, nor do I think Alexis will be returning to the show. Okay, let's talk Kyle and Mauricio, because according to Life and Style, it looks like Kyle and Mauricio, though trying to maintain a family unit, they are donezos. So according to this source from Life and Style, things have turned ugly and they don't want to be married anymore. Kyle's not happy the fact that Mauricio is kind of living his life. He seems to be ready to be single and ready to jingle his balls this holiday season. I mean, they're separated. They've been separated for at least, what, a year now? Because October of last year is kind of when things, I feel like, started to get rocky and they started to put things on ice. Kyle says that we'll learn more about her grieving journey because she did lose her friend Lorraine. Lorraine? Lorraine? Um, She passed away to suicide, and Kyle said that, you know, that definitely put a strain on her marriage because Mauricio, though he tried to show up and be there for her, he just wasn't able to show up in the ways that she needed. Then she went and found herself Morgan Wade, and now her and Morgan Wade seem to be better. I mean, friends are better, have a better relationship than her and Mo. Kathy Hilton also just did an interview I saw recently. She had a a pajama party and she did an interview where she says that Kyle and Morgan are really good friends and she just wants Kyle to be happy. Kind of got the impression that she was okay and happy with Kyle and Mauricio being on a break. I just felt like Kathy never really liked Mauricio and I don't think Mauricio ever really liked Kathy. So I feel like Kathy is in support of this, this split, uh, We'll see what happens with Kyle and Morgan. But the more we see of Morgan, the more I feel like they just have clear like chemistry. So I'm not surprised. I don't know how much further she and Mauricio are going to last. The issue, I think, is that they don't have a prenup. So right now, splitting up everything between Kyle and Mauricio is going to get messy. They have um, their net worth, I believe, is $100 million. So imagine dividing $100 million in assets from properties to money to um you know, assets, like it's, it's going to get kind of messy. I mean, I would imagine that now I, I think it's better to divorce earlier when you can keep things amicable rather than divorcing when there's a lot more resentment or things become contentious, because I feel like once you get to that point, it just gets messy and then everybody gets hurt in it. But despite that, Kyle shared in a recent interview with the messenger that they will be spending Christmas together in Aspen. So they are, they're continuing to have a strong family unit, at least for their girls. We'll see what happens. Um, $100 million in assets. That's that's a a really big net worth. It's not going to be easy to split. 
Okay, let's keep it moving. Let's talk about Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. Okay, you'll remember these were the GMA hosts. They were like, you know, mom and dad on GMA, and they fell in love and were having an affair, even though they were both married, and then they got fired for the big scandal because they were having an affair. Now they have a podcast together, and apparently they're still going strong. And now it's been revealed that... Um, not only are Amy and TJ still going strong, but now apparently their exes, Andrew Shu and Marilee Feibig, they're now dating. So this is like a whole wife swap sort of situation. Um, Amy and TJ revealed that at first they thought that they were being pranked, that they didn't think that this was real. And I mean, come on. that Like, who would think that that's kind of weird, right? Like, that's like Brandy Glanville and, oh, God, what was Leanne Rhymes' ex name? Stuart Sebastian? I don't know, something. But he was the chef, remember? That would have been funny if, like, Brandy and Leanne Rhymes' ex started dating after Eddie Cibrian and Leanne Rhymes started dating. And it was just like, whoop, wife swap. I mean, I wonder if they would have like a four-way in the bedroom. Kind of interesting, right? Um, I, I don't know, guys. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of funny, um, to think that they've. I mean, I guess they can bond, being like, oh yeah, my wife screwed your husband, your husband screwed my wife. Like, it's, it's a good moment of bonding, getting to know each other a little better. So, all right, good for you. Um, In other news, we also have Jamie Spears. He has lost his leg. Lots of Britney fans seem to be relishing in the fact that he had knee surgery recently, which led to an infection, which led to him having to get his leg amputated. So, I mean, first of all, Aviva Drescher did it first. She ran so that Jamie Spears could walk. It's just interesting that, you know, his life is now in shambles. He seems to be losing a lot these days. You know, not just limbs, but every, his whole reputation seems to be going down. Brittany dips out of, out of his life, and now he's got no leg to stand on. So <laughs> for a second, this is kind of fucked up. For a second, I was like, was this intentional? Like, is somebody like, are there's some like mega Brittany fans are like, this guy is terrible, so let's intentionally mess with him. I mean, losing your leg is like pretty serious business. I, I feel like that would be kind of like mean if this was intentional, but like, how do you lose your, I don't know, like, how does an infection get that bad? Like, how does it get to the point where you get such a bad infection that they're just like, oops, you need a knee replacement, but now, sorry, your whole leg's gone. Like, how does that even happen? Everybody keeps saying karma, karma, karma's a bitch. I mean, listen, I I don't know. You take advantage of your daughter and you lose a limb. I, I don't know. It's not great for him. He's not. You know, he's he's doing the best he can, I guess. Oh, man. Could you imagine if you lose your leg after losing your daughter? Um, yeah. Um, we, as I mentioned at the top of the show, had the Dance with the Stars finale. Lisa Vanderpump was there to support Ariana Maddox, and she revealed that she has her new show, Vanderpump Villa, that'll be coming to Hulu very, very soon. Everybody, get ready. It's a very, very soon, very, very soon, very, very soon, 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 soon. Hey. Um, so, yeah, she says that it's a bunch. Of, I believe they filmed it in Europe, and she had a bunch of people that work for her in a villa, and it's kind of, it's villa versus uh, sir. So instead of them being servers there, I'm assuming, like, this kind of feels like below deck, 
like a below deck style show, but like on land in Europe, a European below deck on land. But it's coming to Hulu. So we'll see if this one lasts. I know a lot of her other spinoffs didn't really take off. Vanderpump Pets didn't take off. Overserved with Lisa Vanderpump didn't take off. I don't know. Might be, might be fine. But yeah. Let's talk about Shannon Doherty. So Shannon Doherty opened up about being cheated on. I didn't even realize Shannon Doherty was getting divorced. So on her new podcast, she launched her first episode today or at midnight last night. And the new show is called Let's Be Clear. And she says that instead of doing a memoir, or she calls it memoir, no memoir. She says instead of a memoir, she decided to do a podcast. And she's opening up about why her marriage ended. She says that her ex, Kurt, who she was with for 14 years, they had a not so great split. She filed for divorce. It was announced back in April. She's revealing that it ended because he was actually having a two-year affair. And she found out about it just as she was about to go into brain surgery to have a tumor removed from her brain. My God, like Shannon Doherty has been through it, you guys. Uh, I don't know if you remember she had, what was the name? Oh, Shannon Says. Remember she had, uh, it was a WeTV reality show called Shannon Says where it documented her marriage to Kurt. They've been together for 14 years. That's crazy to think that they were together for so long. And then he was cheating on her while she had cancer. And then she goes in to have a, a tumor removed from her brain. I mean, her first episode is very raw, I have to say. It's only about 45 minutes. I really enjoyed it. I like Shannon Doherty. Loved her on Charmed. Loved her on 90210. Um, so it just, she also did the 90210 reboot, which I loved on the CW, even though it got canceled. And she did the the BH 90210 reboot, which was like a parody of like the actors' lives. They were playing themselves, but like heightened versions, like car- caricatures of themselves. So... She says that she takes responsibility for some of the issues in her marriage, and she also seems to take responsibility for how cancer impacted her marriage. I think that's really tough because it's like you can't control that, but she seems to carry at least some guilt about like, well, shit. And I think I remember her saying this, like when she was going through her cancer journey. She now is in her stage four of cancer, which we know is terminal, um, and she's just trying her best to live life as best she can. But, I mean, couldn't you wait until she at least, God, I hate saying that, but, like, couldn't you wait, Kurt, a, a bit? Like, I understand it's challenging, but a two-year affair? You had a girlfriend for two years? That's crazy. Like, to me, that is wild. I get it that, like, it's challenging. Cancer is challenging, and you need an emotional escape. You need somebody to kind of be there for you as you're trying to be there for your partner. But it just it makes me sad. She seems optimistic, though. She says that she loved him with all her heart. It just, it breaks my heart. She's like, I loved him with all my heart. Um, She says that after she found out, she was obsessed with getting to the truth. She said that she spoke to the other women, or the other woman, sorry. She got really candid on it. It was a really good episode. I'm actually looking forward to listening to to the rest of her podcast because she says that she's going to be very open and vulnerable in a lot of these things. She's going to revisit a lot of the 90210 days and the charm days. My heart breaks for her, but she does say that she's open to finding love again one day. I mean, that's optimistic, right? You're facing stage four cancer. Your partner of 14 years cheated on you for two years in this affair. Terrible. But at the same time, you know, the fact that she can even still be open to love, considering, because she also talks about her mom and she talks about how her mom 
passed or her mom's her when her dad passed away how her mom never wanted to remarry once she lost her husband like that was it she was devoted to her husband she was very much um dedicated to her marriage and her mom has no interest in finding anybody else and her mom's not facing stage four terminal cancer so i think it's a beautiful thing that she's at least open to for however much time she may have left being open and just allowing love to come her way I think is is well deserved but Kurt I can't believe you broke her heart I remember watching Shannon says and listen I don't think Shannon Doherty is the easiest partner to be with but you know what she's doing the damn thing she's living her best life okay I think that's all I have for you I don't think anything new has broken Taylor Swift was named a person of the year by time Good for her. I'll cover that tomorrow. I have the ladies of pop apologists that'll be on the podcast tomorrow. We'll talk more about Taylor Swift. We'll talk more about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because we'll be recapping that on tomorrow's show. So get ready. The ladies of pop apologists will be on the podcast tomorrow, which is Thursday. We will be doing our YouTube members only on Thursday evening, which will be uploaded for No Filter Plus members on Apple on Friday. So still get your bonus episode. I will be doing my Salt Lake City recap with Josh. Josh, from Louisiana. He will be here tonight. So get ready for that. We're going to recap this week's episode of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. You can keep up with me at Just Plain Zach all over the internet. Keep up with the podcast at No Filter with Zach and get ready for more tea to come, more tea to be spilled. Oh, sorry. I'm just like checking myself out right now because, um, Dr. Zelkin said, I don't look a day over 26. And I was like, wow, that's so sweet. Thank you, Dr. Zelkin. Um, That makes my ego feel good on this hump day. Too bad nobody, I'm not humping anybody today. Well, I guess the night is still young. The night is still young. Okay. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. I will talk to you tonight for our Real Housewives of Salt Lake recap on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash justplainzach, Zach Peter on YouTube. So get ready, Freddie. Josh will be here tonight. It'll be F-U-N. All right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.